How we doing, people? I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report Direct Message for today, March 17th, 2022. We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Blaze TV. Obviously, uh, yesterday was a day of uh, an awful lot of love sent our way. It was, a, it was a really interesting day, you know, talking about these two babies and expanding our family and everything else. And, you know, got personal in a way that Maybe I don't always get personal here uh, doing the political thing all the time. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of overwhelmed and I can speak for David and I can speak for pretty much everyone in our family is sort of overwhelmed by the amount of love and well wishes. There was some, uh, some negativity too. Uh, this is the internet and I don't know if you know this, but it's not always just an endlessly joyous, happy place. Uh, and I want to address some of the good stuff and, and some of the negativity. And we're going to do that in the Q&A uh, in just a few minutes. Uh, the big news today around here, though, is that the pre-sale for the Don't Burn This Country book tour, the pre-sale is up now. So first off, you can get the book right now at DaveRubin.com slash book. And we've got the links there for all the places that you can purchase the book, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, your local bookstores, et cetera, et cetera. But the pre-sale for the tour is up right now at rubenreport.locals.com. It'll be out for the general public tomorrow, but we wanted early access for my locals community. Uh, do we have the image of the, uh, the tour stops? Can we throw up the old tour stop image? There we go. We're gonna be in Orlando, West Palm, Clearwater. We'll be in Raleigh, North Carolina, Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, Washington, West Nyack, New York, Brea, California, Oxnard, San Jose, Phoenix, and Denver. This is just sort of the first uh, run of the tour. So right now, if you want to buy tickets today and we'll do meet and greets, I'll take selfies. You can shake my hand. You can do limited hugs. You know, the one second hug. Again, my feelings about the over two second hug, it starts getting weird. Uh, all of that good stuff. Uh, the tickets are available today for the locals community. So you can go to rubenreport.locals.com and the info is all there. And then the tickets will be available for the general public tomorrow. Um, and I'm excited. I'm excited to get back out there and meet the people, see the people, see smiling faces, chat with you guys. We'll do a q and I'm going to bring uh, some guests on for some of the shows. So rumor has it Glenn Beck will be joining me for one, perhaps the Dallas show. I'm hearing Dennis Prager is going to join me one, perhaps the Brea show. Uh, we're working on Larry Elder. I think Megan McCain, possibly Megan Kelly, a couple other people. So it's going to be fun. I'll do like an hour talk and mess around with you guys. We'll do a little Q&A, let you guys ask some questions, let the guests ask some questions. It's going to be fun. I'm psyched and I'm looking forward to it. All right, we got a million questions here and I want to do one quick story up top about Kyrie Irving because the guy, Brooklyn Nets star Kyrie Irving, the guy scored 60 points on Tuesday on a road game. He plays for the Nets and then they wouldn't let the guy freaking uh, play back in New York City literally the next night. That's how stupid all these COVID rules are. But before we get to that, I want to talk to you about Z-Stack. You know, if the last two years have taught us anything, it's that you must take control of your own health. It's clear that you can't simply rely on the government or big pharma to protect you or your family. That's where Z-Stack comes in. Z-Stack is a specially formulated immune-boosting supplement that includes zinc, quercetin, vitamin C, and vitamin D, formulated by Dr. Vlad Zelenko, the world-renowned doctor that President Trump credited with his successful early treatment protocol and his decision to take HCQ. Z-Stack has been scientifically formulated, is kosher and GMP certified, and is produced right here in the good old US of A. 
Although mask mandates are being lifted and vaccine mandates are no longer enforced in several states, hallelujah, viruses are still out there. By taking Z-Stack daily, you're supercharging your immune system. Z-Stack is formulated to help, help combat any and all variants as well as the common cold and the flu. I encourage you to start taking it now and stay ahead of any potential future variants by preparing your immune system and go about living your life. Go to zstacklife.com today, slash Dave, uh, enter code Dave, and uh, you're gonna get a little discount off your first order. That's zstacklife.com slash Dave, promo code Dave. All right, so first I just wanna do one story because I, this is just so indicative of how stupid, that's the only word for it, like how absolutely stupid everything has become. So Kyrie Irving, is an NBA player. He's a pretty darn good player, multiple time all-star. He's bounced around on a couple teams, got close to a championship a couple times, hasn't, hasn't gotten it yet. He's playing for the Brooklyn Nets now, and he decided that he did not want to get vaccinated. And he laid out his opinions over the last couple months, which were similar to the opinions of many other people, basically saying, hey, I take care of myself. I'm young and healthy. I don't want to be forced into anything. Uh, unfortunately, as you guys know, the NBA went really all in on vax mandates and they had their players playing in a bubble, even though we know the bubble was being pierced by all sorts of girls that were let in at night and all kinds of other things. And I'm pretty sure everyone in the NBA is smoking weed 24 hours a day, but that's a separate issue altogether. We all understand that these rules don't really make sense. You've got players that play on the court, not wearing masks. Then they're sitting on the bench with one guy wearing a mask, the coach wearing a mask. Then they get into the team huddle. The guy takes the mask down, the other guy puts it on. The audience, the fans, half of them are wearing masks, the, other fan, the others aren't. Then they've got it when they're not eating. Then they take it down when they're eating. None of it makes any sense, but this is just a perfect example of it. So Kyrie Irving scored 60 points on Tuesday night on the road, 60 points. It was an NBA season high, okay, 60 points. It had just been hit the season high a couple days before, and then he matched it, all right? 60 points, that's a lot of points. You don't have to uh, be a big basketball fan to understand, 60 is a lot, okay? Uh, then the next night when he was home in New York, he was unable to play because he's unvaccinated. Take a look. Kyrie unable to play this afternoon and because of the city ordinance. He's unable to play, but he can walk into the Barclays Center unmasked. I don't get it either. And listen, the NBA and the NBPA, you know, have been advised by their medical experts that he can safely participate in home games. And obviously the hope is that he will be able to. Yes. At some point, I hope that if nothing changes from that perspective, and this is just the fan and me talking, not the of course, not yeah. the person who's you know making these decisions. I hope that Joe would pay the fine and the NBA would let him pay the fine. Okay, credit to the announcers. They are actually diving into the issues and not shying away from the ridiculousness and the hypocrisy. Um, apparently, you no longer have to show a Vax passport to be a fan at one of those games. So it's unclear whether the people are vaxxed or not vaxxed. I don't care if they're vaxxed or not vaxxed. If you don't want to go out, don't go out. If you want to go to a game and be vaxxed or not vaxxed and wear a mask or not wear a mask, that's all up to you. But I think you guys get the level of abject ridiculousness. The guy is not sick. He is the peak of physical performance, okay? So now the funny thing is, I've, I've been talking a lot about Bill Maher on this show and what's going on with these with these liberals, these lefties that sort of get it, but then don't get it and they never vote the right way. And what do we do with these people? And it's nice that they're coming around, but guys get to the end of the road, et cetera, et cetera. 
Well, Trevor Noah, who's the host of The Daily Show, and nobody really watches The Daily Show anymore, but these clips go seemingly viral. It's hard to tell if it's organic or not. But Trevor Noah is the host of The Daily Show. And he is, you know, this is a guy that just, you know, a couple weeks ago was calling for Joe Rogan to basically be fired because he sent the Edward and he get he's wrong on pretty much everything. But even he, even Trevor Noah, lefty, wrong on everything, Trevor Noah sees the insanity of this Kyrie Irving situation. Mayor Eric Adams has lifted the rule that you have to be vaccinated to attend indoor events. Okay, that's gone. But there is still a rule that you have to be vaccinated to go to your workplace. So if someone's job is at an indoor event, they can't go to work, but they can show up to work to watch their colleagues do their thing. Yeah, which is exactly what happened this weekend. Yeah, guys, I, I, I don't care like how COVID compliant you are. Like this makes zero sense. Can we agree on that? Can we, what? So Kyrie can go inside, not wear a mask, even hug a teammate, but he cannot play. I don't get it. Why? Does the ball have a weak immune system? What's going on? I mean, it's crazy. Just think about it. Just think about it. Kyrie can't play, but he can sit in the stands, right? Like a fan. And then as a fan, what happens if he gets picked to take the half court shot to win the car? Can he do that? What are those? All right. So putting aside that the guy's just not funny. He's got 20 writers doing that whole thing. Okay, fine. That, but it's good to see, I suppose, someone waking up. However, I think we're going to see more and more of this as these l- rules and regulations are, are so shown to be ridiculous and nonsensical. You're going to see more of the liberals than the lefties who got everything wrong for the last two years starting to sound somewhat sane. And the question is, what, what do we kind of do with them? Like, do, do we, everyone gets very excited. I see this happening all the time. Every time a liberal says something that's not completely like batshit bananas, everyone's like, oh my God, even Trevor Noah and Bill Maher said it. It's like, all right, congratulations for being two years too late to the party. You guys get my feelings on that. Here's Trevor Noah, Trevor Noah in October 2021 talking about vaccine mandates in case you think I'm making up that he's been wrong about everything this whole time. That's right, people. Vaccine mandates work. And if you ask me, this is a win-win situation. Yeah, because think about it. It'll help keep everybody safe and it gets the economy moving again. And then for the people who still didn't get vaccinated, look, I don't think you're right. But if you are, your win is that we all die and then you guys inherit the entire earth. Ha! It'll be pretty sweet for a while until you all die of measles because you don't believe in vaccines. Right. Because if you didn't believe in mandates, that means you don't believe in vaccines. So he was pushing mandates, government mandates on people. We now know that the vaccines did not work as promised. We know that there's all sorts of side effects. Again, everyone should do whatever they want and talk to their doctor. But so I don't know. I'm actually asking you guys. Like, I really am asking you guys. Like, what is it that we should do in this situation? Should we keep, you know, we want to keep coaching these people to get the right way, but he's never going to get there, right? I think there's a chance that Bill Maher will get there. But what do we do? Do we just like, oh my God, you're so great because you're not wrong 100% of the time? Or do we say, no, until, until you get there, we just have to keep ignoring you or mocking you or whatever. I'm really not sure what the answer is. And perhaps in next week's Q&A, or you know what, during the live chat today, maybe we'll, someone will have some comments on that. Uh, you can join the live chat, which we do every day during the show at rubenreport.locals.com. And now let's get to some community Q- Q&A. Uh, Gelleresh says, Dave, is there any truth to the rumor that you'll be naming your children Gavin and Joe if boys, or Kamala and Alexandria if girls? So first off, 
They are both boys. Um, we went with the strongest eggs, with the strongest embryos. So that was the choice there. I would have been happy if it was two girls. David would have been happy either way. Boy, girl, two boys, two girls. We really didn't care about that. We wanted the strongest viable embryos. Uh, and those happened to both be male. You cannot let the embryo choose the sex. Uh, it's just not a thing. They know the sex and that was it. Uh, will I go with Joe? What was it, Joe or who? It was Joe. Oh, <laughs> Ugh, Gavin. I mean, I hate Gavin Newsom. He's on my top 10 list of people I hate. Uh, it will not be Gavin. It will not be Joe. I don't mind the name Joe, actually, but uh, Gavin's a little smug or something, or I'm just so, it's so associated with Gavin. Kind of do like the name Joe, but it will not be Gavin or Joe. It, and it's not girls, so it will not be Kamala or Alexandria. The name that I've been sort of pushing, I don't know if David wants me to say this, but the name that I've been sort of, I like the name Brandon. I've always liked the name Brandon. And I do think it would be just so cool to have at least one of these kids. I guess you can't name them both Brandon, but you name one kid Brandon everywhere we go. Let's go Brandon. Like it would be like just the greatest thing ever. And it is a good name. So I got to, I got to work on David on that one. Uh, but we're, we haven't decided yet. We've got, you know, we got a list and we're going to try to figure it out. And you know what, actually, let me just get this out of the way quick. So I do want to just discuss some of the uh, reaction to uh, the video that we did yesterday. And then the, the pictures that we put on social media about this. Um, first off, 99% of everything that uh, was sent to us, uh, emails, Instagram comments, Twitter, what are the other things on social media, all the stuff uh, was positive. And it was positive and, and overwhelmingly positive and really just nice and whatever and, and loving. And you know, people are, are happy to see people expand their family, even if it's not the most traditional way of doing things. And I'm actually completely respectful and understanding of people seeing a situation like this and not totally getting it. I got to tell you, as somebody going through it myself and going to fertility clinics and talking to surrogates and talking to other same-sex couples that have gone through this, like it's not the easiest thing in the world. I can understand why somebody would think it's not the most traditional thing in the world. It obviously isn't. And I think we can have all sorts of discussions about what the family should look like and all of those things. Uh, but I saw a lot of people saying, you know, th that um, not a lot of, it wasn't a lot of people. Actually, it was a couple people and then a lot of green groiper frogs or whatever they are on Twitter and some of these sort of like Catholic traditional, they're all anonymous accounts. Like there were a few non-anonymous accounts, but then there's just tons of these anonymous accounts. And, you know, they say, usually they just say really horrible things. But then there were some things that pr people brought up that were somewhat legitimate, like, okay, so is there going to be a female role model in the house because the role of a mother is important? And I completely agree with that. David completely agrees with that. Uh, his mom is going to live down here for, for a bit. His sister is going to be here. My sister is here in Miami. My mom will be down here. I believe that a female uh, in the life of the child, more than one female, is important. I also think men and women are different, but in many ways there are things that transcend your, your physical, whether you're a male or female. So there are some men that are, that are very, very nurturing. Right? And there are some women that just aren't. And it has nothing to do with sexuality. David is very, very nurturing. He really is. He's a great caregiver. He is going to be giving all of that to these kids. I don't know that I'm, me personally, the best caregiver, especially in the early part, but I'm going to do the best that I can. But anyway, I mention all of this because I get that this is, a, it is a little bit different. So it's not, if, if you are watching this and you're going, boy, this is a little bizarre. I don't know a couple like this. Like we know a couple gay couples that have kids, but I don't know a ton of them. And I'm sort of treading this, uh, this path. I'm sort of blazing this path in many ways on my own, but I know that we're going to do the best that we can as parents, regardless of our gender. And we just want these kids to be happy and loved and live fulfilling lives. 
so when I see some of the, the craziness around this, it's like, okay, so if you guys just want to go back a hundred years and, and things will be exactly as they were, it's not like things were so great a hundred years ago. And there's all sorts of straight couples that are abusive or the father leaves or the mother leaves or parents are neglectful or alcoholics. There's, there's no perfect thing here, but I can tell you that we're going to do the best that we can. And uh, for any of you that are watching this that um, think this is a little bizarre or out of the, out of the norm, I'm, I'm actually completely okay with that. And that's partly why uh, we even made a public acknowledgement of this because it's like, this is the adventure that we're on. I've tried to be honest about my political adventure for the last you know, seven, eight years, however long I've been doing this, and people have come along for the ride. So this will be another thing to come along for the ride for, and we will need all sorts of, of advice and help and, and the whole thing, the whole thing. Uh, and that has nothing to do with sexuality. So those are my thoughts on that. Uh, Brad says, regarding Florida's HB 1557, what are your thoughts on Republicans going on the offense and making Democrats actually play their cards and defend sexualizing children? Look, I think in some ways this was probably uh, the Florida legislature's and DeSantis's calculation. It's like if the left wasn't always encroaching on everything, right? Like pushing wokeism into the schools, taking out our educational institutions and our corporate institutions, and you know, being not racist is now racist, all the stuff that you know about. If they weren't always moving on everything, then there wouldn't be a, a need for a bill like this. A bill that basically just says state workers can't talk to kindergartners through third graders, through third graders about sex. Like there would be no need for that if they didn't feel this constant encroachment. So I sense that the legislature, and I don't know this for a fact, I do not know this for a fact, uh, but I sense that the legislature and DeSantis, the calculation was let's, let's preempt some of this, even though it's obviously happening at some level in schools, like we see all the activist teachers all the time on TikTok and wherever else, but let's preempt it a little bit because the only way to defend is to actually preempt um, because they just keep moving. They, you can't just wait until they're at your door because then by the time they're at the door, they're actually basically through the door, right? So the barbarians are at the gate and I think the legislature was like, let's, let's do something to make them be defensive. So again, this has nothing to do with hating gay people. It has nothing to do with if there was a kid who had two dads or two moms, he's still allowed to bring his parents to school and everyone, uh, you can't demand that parents be respectful of anybody regardless of their sexuality, but there's nothing in there that the parents can't come to school or should be treated differently or anything else. It's about state employees talking to young, young children about gender identity and sexuality and then being able to hide that from the parents. And if, you, if you're for that, then that's on you. Uh, Steve says, is the war in Ukraine actually part two of the Great Reset Plan, part one being COVID lockdowns? Of course, yeah, I think so. I don't want to sound like a crazy conspiracy theorist, but it's something like that. You know, they, they push two years of COVID insanity which now there's all sorts of info that the lockdowns had no effect other than they depressed us and got people more hooked on drugs and prescription pills and suicide went up and people got fatter and all of that. Lockdowns didn't work. All sorts of evidence that masks didn't work. Uh, evidence that children's speech is delayed. I mean, all of the societal and social problems that came with these draconian edicts that we allowed. We allowed it. All of us allowed it. Even those of us that fought it, maybe we should have fought harder. I, I point the, the finger at me on this one too. Maybe I should have been screaming louder from day one. And I, I did scream a lot in the last two years about this insanity. 
Uh, but what really is going on here? It does feel like the entire system, the system of Western government, of, of free people, of we the people that, that are in charge of the government, not a government that's in charge of us, it feels like that is being upended right now. And that's what the Great Reset is all about. It is not a conspiracy theory. I mean, look at the World Economic Forum stuff, okay? Klaus Schwab, this is not conspiracy theory stuff. This is stuff that we should be talking about. So I do sense, I mean, the way they got us to pivot, you know, that, that State of the Union address two weeks ago, we go through two years of COVID and lockdowns, and then he barely mentions COVID until a half hour in because we're talking about how we have to save Ukraine and what Russia's doing. And it's like, eye off the ball. There's, we got our own problems here. We got supply chain problems and inflation problems and immigration problems and all of these things. And it does feel like they are trying to, in some ways, crash the economy and have gas prices rise so they can usher in their, their Green New Deal and electric cars everywhere. And, and, you know, people are talking about a digital currency. I don't know if this was just, if this was Minority Report, we've got all the pieces of the puzzle there and we're trying to track this thing. It's like, we got to put it together. I think the best we can do for now is keep talking about it and, uh, and see. But yeah, I think there's something there. Uh, Drearier says, just want to say that Rumble and Locals are the only social media platforms that haven't given into the hysteria and ban Russian sources. Uh, the ability to hear from all sides is critical, particularly in times of war. Thank you for staying in such an amazing company. Look, the, the goal of us merging, us locals merging with Rumble was we felt that they were doing pretty good on the free speech stuff. Um, you know, DuckDuckGo, as you know, just in the last week, suddenly said that they are going to reorder their search results to uh, avoid Russian misinformation. And, you know, who watches the watchers? Who decides what that misinformation actually is? So DuckDuckGo basically destroyed its own company with, with one sort of silly tweet. Uh, I've talked many times to the CEO of Rumble about this, Chris, and his belief is that we are a neutral platform. You can say what you want on this platform. It's not up to the platforms to decide what is misinformation and what isn't. If they, if they were breaking specific laws, if there were threats, and if they were leaking information that could get people hurt, that there's all things to talk about with that. Um, but from everything I know about what's going on internally at Rumble and Locals, the, the idea is we are neutral and we will stay as neutral as humanly possible. That, that's really where we're at. Uh, Carol says, did you hear about Jesse Smollett's early release already? What are your thoughts on this? I heard about it this morning. So he's staying in jail for one week. Is that right? One week? Just a few days after he gave his crazy diatribe at the end of this thing that he was innocent. And if he killed himself, it wasn't him that killed himself. Remember that? Uh, he was supposed to be in jail, I think, for 100, uh, what was it, 150 days, something like that. And they gave him one week. So... Congratulations, Jesse Smollett. I, I don't see how justice was served here in any way. I mean, this guy poured so much fuel on the racist fire burning in this country, a fire that we had just embers left of. There was, there was really almost no racism left. It was not accepted in any decent quarters. And then the wokesters came in, they, they ignited the fire again. This guy poured fuel on it, the, the mainstream media, more fuel on it, and it's back, unfortunately. And he gets one week for that, something ain't right. Emily says, I can't wait to attend your event in Hotlanta. Thank you so much for holding your ground and refusing to go anywhere that requires vax passports or face, ma face masks. What's your favorite part of doing the live events? Um, it's just seeing people. And I think for this tour, particularly in light of the last two years, like I'm really, really going to enjoy it. I enjoy it when I go to dinner and I see people now and, and I'm at pe packed restaurants and you see people and they're just out and about and life does go on, or at least it goes on here in Florida. 
Um, you know, it did cost us uh, some money and some headaches dealing with the Vax passports and the masks and venues that I wouldn't do. And that's partially why we don't have a, a fully robust list of stops yet, because there were so many things changing every day. A state was changing this, a city was changing this. There were, there, we had a couple of venues that didn't want to work with me because I'm a right-wing maniac, apparently. Um, so there's all sorts of stuff that we're trying to figure out, uh, but we will add more stops. I know everyone's asking about Nash Nashville. We will do Nashville. We're going to do some more stops in Texas and a bunch of others. And it's just, it really is just being around the people. It's the live reaction to the people uh, that I miss more than anything else. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, Nisa says, do you follow or read Barry Weiss? I'd love to hear a conversation between the two of you. Look, Barry is welcome on this show. Uh, you know, we were, we were sort of friendly for a while. She's the one that, of course, that wrote that original IDW piece in the New York Times and then left the New York Times because it had become so woke. I, I think she's sort of thrown a couple of people under the bus, myself included, along her journey, but no one does any of this stuff perfectly. So Barry, if you're watching, I'd be happy to have this conversation. I, I include her in that bucket of sort of not completely insane liberals, that, that Bill Maher bucket. And it's like, all right, if you're going to rail against this stuff, eventually you got to vote the right way. That's a great conversation to have. Um, so, uh, so no, I don't read her stuff really. You know, occasionally it'll come across on Twitter or I'll see a little snippet or something, uh, but I don't subscribe or anything like that. It's like if there's a certain amount of people, I think there, there's a certain liberal intelligentsia or something that just wants, they just want to keep writing things and, and always be behind on things or two years late, but then get applauded for it and never really take a position when it's unsafe to take. So, you know, if you're right now, if you're, you know, she was on uh, Bill Maher about a month ago saying how crazy lockdowns were and everything else. It's like, yeah, that was the position a lot of us took two years ago. Um, you know, the Hunter Biden story would be a good one. You know, did you see just today, the New York Times is now basically saying, yeah, the Hunter Biden emails, they were all legit. Well, many of us were talking about it for a year, at least. Many of us were talking about it before the election. And remember, New York Post got their Twitter feed taken down. And if you posted about it on social media, you would get taken down. Um, so I would say, I don't mean to make this about her specifically, but these people, it's like they'll start talking about it now because now the New York Times said it was safe while they would ignore or gladly throw the rest of us under the bus for being conspiracy theorists and crazy right wingers. So. I'm trying to arbitrage this situation, as you can see, and welcome these people to the sane side, but uh, sometimes you got to drag people, and sometimes people don't want to be dragged, and that's all right. Uh, you know, are you going to get, uh, you know, says, are you going to get a basketball court at your new house? We have a basketball court. I love it. I'm out there. I try to be out there every day, at least for a few minutes, shooting around or playing horse with David. Uh, I'm trying to get this Sunday game started with, uh, with a bunch of local friends here in Miami, although at the moment, I got a hip situation. If any of you are doctors, masseuses, something. Literally two days ago, out of nowhere, sharp pain in the hip, did not do anything. And the last two nights, just stiff, stiff. Like it's, it's aching right now. So I, I need some CBD or something and yeah, we'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, I love playing ball. And uh, I guess if the Nets won't have, oh no, I'm unvaxxed too. I was going to offer to play for the Nets, but they won't have me. And I could start a team with Kyrie. Let's get this to Kyrie, you know, Kyrie, Who's unvaxxed now still? Me, Kyrie, who else? Uh, Jonathan Isaac, right? Jonathan or Isaac on the Orlando Magic. Doesn't have to be a ball player. Just give me famous people that are unvaxxed. Who else is there? There's got to be somebody else. Nothing? Candace Owens. All right, so we, I need one more. I need a starting five. So we got Kyrie Irving. We got Jonathan Isaac on the Orlando Magic. We got Dave Rubin. We got Candace Owens. Bill Maher's uh, not boosted. No, oh, I, I don't think Glenn Beck and, uh, and Dennis Prager never got it. All right. 
that's a hell of a team. Dennis Prager's very tall. Can't play ball for his life. I took him out to my court once. It was, it was really depressing. <laughs> I'm going to have a 65-year-old guy who smokes cigars every day. Candace Owens. All right, I got it. Kathy says, have you and David thought about schooling your boys? Are you planning to homeschool? Yeah, we've talked about it a lot. Uh, we happen to live in an area where there are pretty good public schools. Um, and, and believe it or not, the public schools in Florida, by and large, are much, much better than people think they are. There's the meme out there that because Florida doesn't have state income tax, that there isn't the money to make the schools good. But that's, uh, it's, it's a meme in that that's what people think. But the reality is it's not just about money. You know, this is one of the things that people think only if you fund things to the tilt and always throw more money at things, that things will be better. Florida has some really, really great public schools. I don't see, any, that being said, I don't see any way we're going to send the kids to, to public school. I, I would be shocked if we did, but you know, we've got a great governor here who's doing a lot to clean things up as much as possible. So I would say I'm in the one state that it could be, there is some realm of possibility there. Um, you know, there's private schools, there are charter schools, a lot of schools, regardless of the state that you're in and regardless of whether they're Catholic schools or Jewish schools or totally secular, you know, the, the woke thing has infected so many of these schools, right? So I sense we're probably going to homeschool or do some sort of pod situation with a few other kids, something like that. I, David wants to be really involved in that. You know, there's a couple groups right now that are really taking off that are figuring out these pod situations where some days you're at this person's house, the next day you're at this person's house, small groups, a little more one-on-one, -on -one, uh, a little more one-on-one -on -one direction to the kid. So we'll see, we'll see. I, I really don't know, but we're thinking about it. And again, it goes to where I started today, which is that we're gonna do the best we can to, to raise kids that are sane and decent and, and know what's right and wrong and, and the rest of it. We'll see how we do with that. Uh, Freedom Fan says, on a scale of one to 10, how difficult is it for you that you have to be informed and up to date on current events every single day? Um, how difficult is it? Well, 10 being the most difficult, I'd say it's, it's not, in a certain way, it's not that difficult because I love this. I really do love this. When I, when I was uh, a couple weeks ago on the other side of Florida with, with the family during President's Week and I wasn't doing shows, like I'm out there in the morning taking walks on the beach, like, man, there's so much going on in the world. I want to get back in here and I really do love it. And I love interacting with you guys and all that. So in some ways, even when the, the news is annoying, I really do love this, right? And there's so many ways that you can talk about this stuff thoughtfully and with some humor and all that. So I love that. You know, in a way, I'm, I'm less interested in politics than I've ever been because I think politics is, has become a religion or more aptly a cult for so many people that I'm not that interested in, oh, you know, 87 Republicans voted for this and 42 Democrats voted for that. And, you know, and I, you know, you can get frustrated with just like the endless hypocrisy, right? You know, all the lockdown people that then party in Florida, like AOC and the rest of them, Swalwell, et cetera. So like, there's a certain level of frustration um, you know, talking about COVID, especially since I've been in Florida, is a little annoying because it doesn't exist here in the sense that people are just going on with their lives. Um, but I do sense that COVID too is coming probably right before the midterm so that they can push mail and voting on everybody. Um, you know, the Ukraine-Russia thing has been interesting because I obviously know a lot about American politics. I can talk about Canada all day long. I, I'm really well-versed in Middle East stuff. Uh, Eastern Europe is not my expertise. And because we have so few trusted sources to try to make sense of this has been difficult. That's why I had Nikki Haley on. That's why I had our former ambassador to Germany, Rick Grinnell on earlier in the week. Um, but you know, just the, the way we pivot to things, I'm, I'm always more interested in the way we consume information and the media reaction. 
than necessarily the stories themselves. So it's far more interesting to me how we pivoted from COVID to war. And suddenly when the war is done, we're gonna pivot to something else and how they can always keep our eye on something else rather than what's right in front of us. That game, whatever that is, is more interesting to me than like just the basic minutia of politics. So uh, I'd say it's, it's a five maybe if I'm on a one to 10 because I enjoy it and it can also be crazy and I try not to be consumed by it. Uh, Purdue says, watch your direct message show on Monday. My question, where did all the anger come from? Were there always seeds of anger and arrogance in the liberal community? So I think what you're referring to, we did the clip of, uh, of the lunatics. I mean, really, just these crazy women on The View basically calling for Tulsi Gabbard and Tucker Carlson to be arrested because they've had some thoughts outside of the mainstream uh, related to the Russia-Ukraine war. And, you know, Whoopi, I mean, Whoopi, she was sane, she was decent, she was a great actress. But really, not only calling for Tulsi to basically be arrested, but to investigate people. We used to investigate people if we thought they had anything to do with the Russians. That's what we used to do. Oh, was that really great when we were doing that in the 50s? When we were trying to find communists everywhere? And who's they? You know, they, they, they would do it. That's what she kept saying. They used to look into people. They used to arrest people. Who's they? Like, do you trust they? I'm not that into they at the moment. Um, so the question about their anger, though, is interesting and I think what has really been exposed in the last two years is that the people that purport to be the nice ones and the tolerant ones and the diverse ones who scream about this, well, they scream about it all day long because they're not really that, but you know, they talk about rainbows and coexistence and diversity and equity and all of these things. It's like they never act in any of those ways. When, when have you seen a lefty rally that was really full of love and tolerance and decency? You see a lot of destruction and things burning down and garbage everywhere. Meanwhile, when people on the right generally have rallies, they clean up after themselves, you know, all the stuff in Canada where they were literally shoveling streets, helping old people across the street, taking care of the garbage, et cetera. Uh, there is a fundamental difference there. And, and that doesn't mean that there is not any bad elements on the right. And it doesn't mean that every, every element on the left is, is so evil, uh, but there is a fundamental difference. And the anger I think comes from if you just believe that the world should be the way you want it to be because you want it to be that way and then it doesn't happen, you're gonna be pretty pissed. And that's why believing in individual rights and choice and live and let live uh, is a much better way. You will you'll innately be happier. You, you'll understand that you, you don't own the world and you can do your best to shape a world that is somewhat in line with what your views are, but that you don't own the world. I don't own earth. I can fight for the things that I believe in and hopefully make it a, a better place, hopefully, um, but I'm not here to burn it down if I don't. But there's a lot of people that want to burn this country. I don't want to. I own a book. Granny says, uh, when can the audio book be ordered? I want to hear the book through your voice. P.S. If you do any additional touring, can you put Charlotte, North Carolina on your agenda? So we are going to Raleigh, North Carolina, if you can make it over there. As for the audiobook, I am told that you can pre-order it right now. That's right. If you go to audible.com and you just search Don't Burn This Country, you can pre-order the audiobook. I read it myself. It was three days, five hours a day, a lot of talking, uh, but it's fun. You'll, you'll dig it. I really, really enjoy doing it. And, it, you know, that's where you can get a little more, a little more human and a little more humor and a little more just me kind of right in there. Um, you know, there's something really nice about having a physical book. You know, it's very old school to have just like a physical thing that you can hold and keep and hand to somebody. But audio works too. So you can go to audible.com, search Don't Burn 
this country. Uh, Cheryl says now that Biden has publicly declared Putin a war criminal, do you see any way for the U.S. to avoid getting stuck in that quagmire? I mean, nothing about any of this is really making any sense to me. On one hand, Biden gives this you know, State of the Union speech, we're not going to war, we're not going to war, okay, but we're gonna sanction the hell out of them, and then we know that the sanctions didn't really affect their energy sector, but we're gonna arm some people, we're thinking about the no-fly zone, we're, do, we're cutting them off the world monetary system, like we're doing all of these things that in effect are war, besides just putting a tank you know, with, you know, with the US flag on the border and sending it into Russia. So in essence, we're in some sort of proxy war, or undeclared war or something, but they're not giving Putin any out here. I mean, that, that does seem like the weird thing to me. Um, and it's a little unclear, like any of the, the sanctions, you know, they're, ta- they're saying the Russian economy has collapsed and, you know, McDonald's isn't there anymore and TikTok isn't there anymore and Facebook isn't there. And it's like, maybe they're winning then, you know, <laughs> because if we didn't have those things, we'd probably be better off. So it, it's hard to decipher where this thing really is at and, and what does war mean? I guess that really is the question. In 2022, what is a war? You know, if this was 50 years ago, you declare war on a country, you know, Germany declared war on its neighbors and went into France, right? And it went into the UK. And then the allies declared war on Germany and wars were fought with tanks and soldiers and helicopters and planes. And, the, and it was clear what was happening because it was tangible and real. We now do these wars where this is about cutting people off from financial systems, you know, shutting down pipelines, all of these things. So what really is war? I, I don't see the out for, for Putin right now. I think we have to really think about it because we should not want World War III. And you also, if Putin is as crazy as the media makes it seem that he is, if he's this, you know, just really megalomaniac character in Russia, he still does have nukes. He still does have nukes. And our, is our policy of we're not going to war, but we are going to war, is that really scaring him? Or, or is he sort of duping us? I don't know. Amy says, how do you think becoming a parent will influence the content of your show and your next book? It would be interesting to come back to your answer in a year or two from now to see how accurate your answer was. Well, look, it's obviously gonna change, right? Like that's the purpose of parenthood, that things change. And there are things outside of you that are more important than you and the lessons that you will learn. And probably you'll learn that your parents were right about some stuff that you didn't think they were right about and all that thing. So I don't know exactly what lessons I will learn, but I know that there will be lessons to be learned. And uh, let's remember to keep this so that uh, in a year or two, we can visit it when I have huge bags under my eyes and all my hair has fallen out and I've gained 10 pounds and I don't know where anything is. And where are my keys? Who did that? Why are you so loud? Like all that stuff, like it's all coming. I understand it's coming, but I had a good run. 45 years, people, I had a good run. And uh, now I've got a banged up hip and I'm gonna be a parent. It's a hell of a run. I gotta do something fun this weekend. You wanna go to a water park? Do they have water parks? Are adults even allowed at a water park? Gator World. Oh, we're gonna go to Gator World. Let's go to Gator World this weekend. We'll see, we'll see. Uh, Anya says, the COVID mania is not a thing of our past for the power hungry betters. There are still mandates at workplaces, emergency powers in place and talks about digital passports. How do we make sure that the derangement ends and never happens again? Yeah, and again, this is partly like the Florida thing for me where I don't see it here and it's why I wanted to escape Cali. And when I was in Cali last week taping uh, this PragerU video that I did, which will come out, I think the day before Don't Burn This Country comes out, um, it felt very depressing there. And I walked into Pan Cotidien, the, the coffee joint, 
and they wouldn't serve me because I didn't have a mask on. And they had a sign outside, you know, you can't even come in if you don't have a Vax passport and just all the stuff. Um, how do we make sure it doesn't happen again? That really is the question. So as some of the stuff dissipates right now, the idea is in the system that they can lock us down whenever they want. And they saw that people don't really push back. And in some cases, people really want it and applaud it and ask for more. Thank you, sir, may I have another? So, so whoever they is, and I think you get that, like it's hard to, it's hard to piece this whole damn thing together. But I think the system sees that we're, we're pretty much sheep. We're all pretty much sheep. Not everybody, not every state, not every city, not every individual, not every family, but we're all pretty much sheep. And if they need, again, to put something in the system to scare us, to lock us down, why wouldn't they do it? I mean, you can already feel it. It feels like they're prepping us for the next COVID. There's a really weird video of Bill Gates out there that you may have seen. I tweeted it yesterday about Bill Gates where he's like, you know, the next round of COVID, that'll really show him. And then he kind of smiles in this very evil way. What are these people talking about? You know, so I think the way we, the way we make sure it doesn't come back is we really have to remember who was roughly right and who was roughly wrong over these last two years. You know, I, I'm not saying I was right about everything. I'm really not. And, and maybe those first two weeks when they said that 15 day thing, I should have been screaming and saying, no, 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 no. And I shouldn't have gone to the grocery store with freaking gloves and a mask. And I, I, we all did the best we could in that fog of war of those two weeks. But, but pretty much after the two weeks, I was saying, we got to open things up. We're destroying people's lives. We're ruining our urban centers. Just the, the decay of everything that is good is, is right in front of us right now. Um, we have to remember who, who were the people that called for mandates this whole time as now mandates are going away and we're realizing that they want us on fourth and fifth, fifth boosters and all of these things. Like if you got everything wrong for two years, you just have to be ignored. Uh, we don't have to jail these people. We don't have to throw them in the gulag, but we have to ignore these people. That's why I had to flash back to the beginning of the show, the Trevor Noah thing. It's like, all right, that's great, man. You kind of get it because Kyrie Irving should be allowed to play, but he should have been allowed to play the entire time. And you yourself, we're mocking people who are against mandates. So someone like him, I guess, should be ignored more than anything else. And, and not just like, oh, you get a treat because you're not a complete idiot. Like you're not wrong on everything. So you get a special button or a tag, a little star for your lapel. I think we have to just not forget. And, and then you, then it's on you to sort of curate the people that you can roughly trust when all hell breaks loose, because obviously all hell is gonna break loose again. It's in, it's in the system. It just is, it just is. But, uh, well, in many ways, not to make it about the book, but I have a lot of, I have a lot of answers about this lunacy. So let's promo the book. Don't Burn This Country is out on April 12th, 2022. You can pre-order yours right now at daverubin.com slash book, or you can go to audible.com and search Don't Burn This Country and pre-order the Audible audio version. And right now, Today, the pre-sale for Don't Burn This Country book tour is available for our friends at rubenreport.locals.com. Uh, you can go to the Locals community. You can click the link that I put there for supporters only. Tickets available today in all of the markets. And uh, tomorrow they will be available for what we call the general public. That's the rest. Uh, I've enjoyed this q and I hope you have as well. I look forward to continuing the conversation on all of these things with you. Part two of my interview with Rick Grinnell, former ambassador to Germany and acting director of national intelligence is up on YouTube and Rumble. The full thing's up at rubenreport.locals.com. Absolutely ad free. That's it. We got some stuff to do today. I hope you do as well. See you tomorrow.
Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.